Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome back once again to another Minutes with Mute presented by Chestnut Hill Technology. I'm your host, Mike Galtieri, and joined once again by the one and only Scott Mutrin. You know him, BC, former quarterback, also sideline reporter on the Learfield IMG BC Sports Radio Network. A tough one this week for the Eagle fans. Uh, 26-22, the Eagles fall to North Carolina. Back and forth game. Came down to a two-point conversion that would have tied it. Uh, but Trey Morrison picked it off and ran it back 99 yards for a two-point safety on the two-point conversion. And uh, BC falls 26-22. to So with that, BC falls to 2-1 two, two and, two and on their year. And I bring in Scott Mutra. First of all, Scott, thanks for joining us. And just uh, on a macro level, just give us your overall game thoughts. Well, thanks for having me, Mike. Uh, overall, I thought, um, you know, BC did, they hung in there with a pretty athletic and tough North Carolina team. Uh, Sam Howell, very good quarterback, and he made some, you know, some, some big plays in the first half for them, uh, especially at the end of the half when he scrambles and everyone thinks he crossed the line of scrimmage and he just, just stays behind it enough to throw a touchdown pass, which is just great awareness, great field awareness. Um, and they were, you know, he made some nice plays when they needed third down conversions, I think, in the first half. I think one of the things you noticed that that first half, BC struggled to get off the field on defense. They allowed seven for eight third down conversions. And that's, it's tough to win when you allow that. So I thought that uh, the second half, they were much better, though. They kept, they, you know, the defense got them uh, four straight um, third down stops. So they were 0 for 4 in the second half. Um, BC rallied, or you know, around their their passing game with Soldier Kovic and Hunter Long. I think that was uh, impressive to see. He's uh, as you're starting to see Phil play a little more and more. He's definitely starting to um, get get more comfortable. I think you, you just kind of look now for that consistency. But he's really done well in those two minute drills these first three games. And uh, it, it's uh, good to see his maturation come. I think you're only going to see him get better. Phil Jakovic looking over his uh, stats, 37 of 56, 313 yards, 56 though passes. Scott, what do you make of that most since the Matt Ryan era uh, for the BC quarterback? (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely a change of pace from what you've seen the last seven years uh, regards to throwing the football. I think, uh, I I don't think that if you ask Jeff Halfley and, and Frank Signetti if they would really sign up for that. I think they would like to be able to run the football a little more than, than they have been and or more effectively than they have been. I think 56 pass attempts leaves your quarterback uh, prone to taking some hits, uh, put your offensive line under a strain because they're, you know, there's a mindset. Uh, when you're pass blocking, it's more of you're receiving a blow and you're not really delivering it like in the run game where you can kind of insert your will. And, That's a good point. Yeah. And some physicality in that. So, uh, when you're constantly setting back and dropping back, uh, that the offensive line kind of is in catch mode instead of attack mode. And 
I think BC only ran the ball 11 times. I, I discount, you know, the eight runs from Jerkovic because some of those are scrambles on dropbacks. But yeah. I think if they're going to be an effective offense, they're going to need to run the football more effectively, which will allow their passing and play action game to be better. Um, the one thing you notice is that Phil, uh, excuse me, is that Hunter Long is a dynamic threat inside the numbers. We have a six-five tight end that can run. He's a matchup nightmare, and teams are going to have to stop him this year. Uh, you watch North Carolina in that second half try to take Hunter away, and, and Jerkovic did a good job of using some of his other receivers. Uh, I think Jalen Gill's a guy that's that's only going to get better. I liked what I saw out of him out there. He has the ability to to run after the catch, and then C.J. Lewis had a nice touchdown there at the end. So they're developing some weapons on the offensive side. I I just think that they probably would like to be a little more balanced and allow that offensive line to really show that preseason, you know, accolades weren't weren't unjustified and that they're pretty pretty solid and that they can run the football versus teams if they want. Yeah, so David Bailey, seven carries, 28 yards. Not, you know, you want more production there. What I guess break it down for us, Scott. Why why aren't they running the ball and – uh, just yeah, what's going on with the rushing game for BC? You know, you're used to BC power rush, play action. What, so what's just what's going on there in that regard? In your in your opinion? Yeah, I think uh, well, in this game they came out and they started throwing the ball right away. So it looked like that's how they wanted to to use that attack, where they were going to kind of uh, use the passing game to set up the running game. Um, when you're not getting that many attempts, and then when you're fighting and you're down, then you kind of lose that ability to, to run the ball. And I just think they're just not getting um, enough early production from it. So they're going to that passing game, I think. And some people would like to say, well, that's the offensive line's fault. They're not opening a lot of holes. But I think from what I've seen, it's there's been some times that holes are open that some of the backs are just maybe a little too quick or they're kind of making a cut the other way. Uh, they have some, you know, they've had some openings that they've just missed. And, you know, sometimes field position and other things and down a distance dictate that ability. But um, what they have done to counteract that, you know, lack of production from the running game is they've done a lot of, of their screen game. The screen game can kind of help, you know, with those easy completions, but also slow some pass rushes down. And they're almost like extended handoffs. You're getting the ball into the back's hands and with some blockers in front of them. But, but, I think that they just need to, you know, the backs need to kind of settle in there a little bit, hit those holes, and and sometimes don't worry about trying to get a 20-yard gain that sometimes three to four yards is actually a really good play. And and that's something when you got young backs that, you know, A.J. Dillon did such a great job of. I think that sometimes when you, you're breaking in new backs, you, you, you almost forget how great A.J. was at doing that. And there's some time and – even though David played a lot last year, it's definitely different when you're the number one guy versus, you know, just coming in to spell A.J. Uh, Dillon. And then, you know, switching gears, B.C. defensively, you'd like to get your thoughts. They only allowed five points in the second half against a pretty explosive UNC team. Obviously, only going off one game against Syracuse. But Max Richardson, Isaiah McDuffie, I mean, what else? The B.C. defense, you have to be happy if you're an Eagles fan. Well, I think the best thing that they do is that they've they've shown – the ability to make adjustments. Um, they've seen what North Carolina was trying to do to them, and uh, yeah, yeah, they, they they changed their blitz packages. They they changed their pressures. They realized that Sam Howell was starting to get to the perimeter and making some plays with his feet and and it's some throws. And when they changed those up and didn't allow him to you know that escape, 
and the, the ability to get out is that they were able to kind of corral corral that offense a little bit. I think North Carolina probably, you would ask Jeff Halfley, they probably had a little too much success running the football. They, they ran it a lot in the second half. But, you know, as you said, they only they only scored three points. The two the other two points are a two point conversion that come back. So I really you can't put that one on the defense. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Look at the yeah. second half scoring that BC has allowed. I, I believe it's only uh, it's either ten or thirteen points in three games. They've outscored their opponents significantly. I believe Texas State got one touchdown in the second half. Maybe if if I'm not mistaken, I may have to go back and check. But that just shows that the, the defense is really responding to the coaching and to really you know, just following assignment football. And Isaiah McDuffie's the leader that you realize how much he was missed last year by not being there for the majority of the season. But he had 12 tackles, a sack, uh, a tackle for loss. And, you know, Max Richardson's playing very well. Those guys pretty much play the whole game. You haven't seen a lot of the linebackers in there. One and some injuries and the other, you just haven't seen John Lamont out there. But I think even... Even on North Carolina scoring drive, you look at that drive, and that was aided by 45 yards of penalties. You had a pass interference, two personal fouls that put them in, in that position. So their second half has, has been, you know, very good. I, I think the the other encouraging thing is you're seeing them play a lot of defensive linemen. You're seeing eight, you know, eight defensive linemen getting a lot of reps, so they're keeping those guys fresh, and the, and the defensive backs as the have done very well. You can see that they've been, you know, very well coached and they're playing the ball and avoiding some of those big penalties and some big over-the-top plays. It's good to see them be able to play that type of uh, man coverage because when you're out there as a defensive back in in college football today with all these spread attacks and people trying to create one-on-one matchups, you're on an island out there as a cornerback, so you've got to be able to to stand up to that challenge and and make a play when it's one-on-one and then if you get beat, you have to be able to go back out there and have like that cliche they say is have a short memory and be able to go back out there and make the next play. And just for a barometer for BC fans on your trained eye, what, what do you think of UNC? How do you think, obviously BC played right there with them, but is UNC a top 15 team, top 20 team in the nation, or do you think they'll fall back a little bit as the season progresses? Um, I, I think... As you look at North Carolina, I think it's a very talented team. Um, they have some they have some guys up front that can get after the quarterback. Um, I think that Sam Howell's very talented. I think their running backs, uh, both of their running backs, are, are very solid players, uh, as, as evidenced by you know that that catch and run at the end of the first half. I think that there there's some talent. There's some athletes there. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see how they handle some of the you know the Miamis and the and the Clemsons of the world yes and that'll be the barometer for them I think when you see how they play against those teams then you'll get a better handle on on what they got this year but I think in my opinion that they're probably uh, probably a year away you know what I mean like I think that they're going to need another good recruiting class add that on top of the experience and then Sam Howell coming back. And I think that you'll see, I think next year that's going to be a team that you think can give Clemson a run because Clemson will be breaking in new, uh, breaking in a new quarterback and there may be a little change of power there. So I think that's, that's kind of, I think they're probably a year away. And that would make sense. Mac Brown would be in his third year. That's really kind of the year when things get really good going under a new coach. 
So that, that would make sense. You're right. And Trevor Lawrence gone. That could 2021 could be a big time year for UNC. Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com. Yeah, and, and they're, they're, a talented, they're a talented team. There's no doubt. They have some athletes there. Mac Brown has gotten... Um, Mac Brown has gotten some players in there, but I mean, you got to remember, like he got in there a little late, even getting Sam Howell. So you can't even, almost can't even count um, last year's class. So this year was kind of his first one, but I think next year you'll really see that difference because I, I, I agree that third year is is really big. Okay, Scott, just last couple of minutes here. Is we, you know, the, I mean, one I guess a positive thing about COVID, if you can really even say it, is the schedule is very tight and uh, there's no let up here in uh, Pittsburgh. Another good borderline top 25 team. Uh, the Eagles have to square off. What do you think about this matchup coming up this Saturday against the uh, Pitt Panthers? Yeah, I think Pitt's, you know, they're a solid team. They're a defensive-minded uh, team based on, you know, Pat Narduzzi. I think D.C. ran the ball um, really effectively on there last year. I really think that that game was just an A.J. Dillon show. I mean, he did. He willed that team to a victory last year. That was such an impressive performance. By, by him and and the defense actually rose up and made some plays. They had like three turnovers, I believe, last year. Um, picking off uh, Pickett a couple times. He's a talented quarterback. Uh, he's got some uh, he's got some ability and, and some weapons. I wouldn't say they're as explosive as North Carolina, but they have, they have good scheme on offense and they have a good ability to uh, to move the ball down the field in the passing game and using some of their their power running game. I think you're going to see somewhat. They're kind of similar to Boston College a little bit in, in their personnel, and they may be a little more athletic than, than D.C., but they're not. They're kind of carbon copies of when you look at how they have to play and the style in which they play on both sides of the football. You have to play sound football to win. You know, you're not just going to be able to out athlete guys and go out there and just, you know, get your guys in space. I think you're going to need scheme and you're going to need technique to win. I think that's the biggest thing you'll know about Pitt, and they're going to get after you on defense. They're aggressive. They're going to get after the quarterback. I think I think the running game is going to have to come through this week because Pitt does a really good job of mixing their pressures up. They do a good job of moving their uh, defensive linemen in stunts and twists. And then they're not afraid to throw some pressures in there as well. So BC needs to slow that down, running the football, or as they continue to do their screen game, and, and you know maybe add some different wrinkles to that screen game just so they can get that aggressive defense on their heels a little bit. Yeah, you're right. Pitt. They always remind me a lot of BC. Same vice versa. Big East teams, Northeast. You know, yeah. That they. Uh, it's gonna. It's always. They're always tight games, Scott. These two teams square off. Right, they're pretty evenly matched. So I think Pitt's favored by four points, I believe. Is that what I, I saw at the beginning? So um, I think you're going to see. I think you're going to see two teams that are going to. It basically turns into kind of a little bit of a street fight, right? You guys just can see who who can take the most punches and who can get the most. I think that's kind of the best way to look at this matchup. And now you've seen it, Scott, more so than many other people who can't even go in the stadium. What's your your general take with the t- the atmosphere of the team after three games? 
are people the are the players warming up to Coach Halfley? Is everyone getting along? And what what's just your general scope of the uh, morale of the program now after especially one loss, which is always tougher to take uh, than a win? Yeah, you learn a lot from your team and your psyche as as you handle defeats. Um, anyone can be a leader and, and stand up when things are going well. It's the guys that stand up and 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 face that adversity and and deal with the loss, right? You learn way more from any of your losses than you will from your wins. So I I think the the leadership is strong in there, and and I recommend if people haven't seen it yet, there was Instagram uh, video that uh, BC Football put out, and there was Jeff Halfley talking to the team after the game, and there's some highlights mixed in there, but his message is just, it's just a really positive, encouraging message as as a former player hearing that if my coach said that you know he, he it's the right way there's no blame there's like hey i know it hurts losing sucks it should suck you want it to burn you want it but you, there's some positive things out there we're going to get better if you stick together good things are going to happen we gave these guys you know we gave them a good battle but we just came up short but that doesn't mean we end right here we're, it's only you know this is just the beginning so i i think that if you see that, you get the feeling of that's the right message. This is this is what this team and and what they need to, to hear and what where they need to go. No, they shouldn't be satisfied, but yeah, there's something to build on there. So I, I, I was excited by it. I thought it was a really good message. I think it's something that you can hang your hat on and look at that and be like, that's what you want the you know kind of the face of your program to be like. Well said, Scott, and we, we always appreciate your message as well every week here at Minutes with Mew. Now the, now the question is, what's uh, first of all, what was the post-game meal like for you t- last Saturday, and what, what are we doing this Saturday with Pittsburgh? Well, it's kind of funny, you know, that you mentioned it. And, and I have to admit, like, when you uh, to, to also go back to your last question, is that it's tough to get a feel on the vibe of the team because I'm not on the field. And you're not walking past them, and you're not hearing them. Yes. You know as much as before, and when you're not really talking to Coach Halfley, because you know there's some issues, um, technological issues, and why we're having not being able to do the interviews with them. That I'm I'm kind of just like everybody else, minus the fact that I'm the only person in the stands hanging out with a bunch of cardboard cutouts. But <laughs> it's not as I would say it's not. I don't get that a feeling as much either way the vibe of being next to him but you know when you see those other messages you, you kind of have a better understanding now as of last week we uh uh we got out uh we were able it was a, you know obviously a little bit later <laughs> i was under direct orders to pick up pizzas on the way home because we um had someone over the house and i had to pick up some sausage and peppers pizza from blue moon uh, pizzeria, which uh, as I was there, as I walked in to get it, it's actually funny. It's right in downtown uh, Normal where I live. The guy was like, oh, I was listening to the game and following it. And I was like, yeah, well, I was there. And he's like, wait, were you calling the game? And I'm like, yeah, that's, you know, that's, that's where I was. And so <laughs> get a new Twitter follower from Blue Room Pizza. I already got the local liquor store guy who's a BC grad, Frank Kelly, who's always, uh, helping me out so it's kind of funny right <laughs> in downtown uh my the town in which i live are t- a bunch of bc fans that are were very interested in hearing my recap of the game so there you I would go. Say that was probably um the biggest thing coming from that after i picked up the pizza and got home for everybody because they were starving waiting for me yeah they're excited to see you go home you know it's always interesting too when you get it's funny you get those 
national games. You always get a lot more people coming up to me talking. He, you know, it's a lot of people, I think, just Saturday afternoons, especially with COVID now, they're just flipping through the TV and they might see BC. And they, you know, it's amazing. The ABC game, the ESPN games, even a lot more so than the ACC Network games. Hate to say it, but, you know, just a lot of the casual fans watch those games on Saturday more so than an average Saturday when it's not on TV like that. Well, yeah, that's, I mean, that that is very true. And when there's, you know, there's only three or four big conferences playing. Yeah. One of the Big Ten and the yep. Pac-12, it's, you know, you got the, the SEC and the, and the Big 12. Um, that really limits the amount of time and, and TV slots. Yep. Uh, well, you have more opportunities for people to watch it because if they want to watch football, they're going to be watching that. And when you play it, networks don't have those teams to play, so there's only two to three games on at a time. And when that happens, you just they can't help but people are going to tune in and watch. And and I think is, you know, as I think as time progresses and people, especially in the Massachusetts area, don't have the the Boston University team doesn't exist anymore, as well as Northeastern, Harvard's not playing this year. It's an opportunity for BC, to, the Red Sox stink and they're out of the playoffs <laughs> you know the, the, and everything that was going on you see the Patriots um, you know it's the Patriots but also if the people want to watch football they're going to tune in to watch college football and hopefully get a chance to see Boston College as well and I think that's good for them and and, and the way in which they're playing and the way in which this team uh, looks so far it's a great representation and I think that they're going to they're going to they can build a fan base on this because they play they play hard. They play smart, and and they're they're an aggressive team that that plays for each other. And when you see teams like that, they're they're easy to kind of root for. And then, of course, the next step is getting that W. Like a W against a top twenty five team. That it's really good. Been, That's yeah. get people talking. It would been nice to get that. I mean, don't get me wrong. That would have been nice. And yeah. when they got that touchdown, I was like, oh man, this is this this goes into overtime. This could get a little hairy. And and yeah. and I don't fall. Uh, Dracovic on that. A lot of people are like, well, I should hand the ball up, or how do you throw it? Just like, listen, you're, the last thing you do there is take a sack. I mean, anyone can tell you if they watched the Patriots yeah, game yesterday. That's right. Not taking a sack in that situation, you got to at least throw it up. At worst, you get a, you know, at worst that you get what happens. At best, you get a maybe a penalty or, or your guy makes a great play. So, I, I think it's great. I love the, that he, you know, he went out shooting a shot and, uh, Sometimes, sometimes you win, and sometimes you don't. But the, the spirit's there, and, and they play hard. And I, I think you see it in the leadership, not not just on the, the sidelines, but on the field. There's some some leaders, and you're gonna you're gonna start to see Phil Dracovic really just continue to grow as a player and as a leader to that team. And uh, I say it a bazillion times, but when you have a special player that the other guys believe in so much, your team is just so much better. It covers up all your flaws, and um, the main job of a quarterback isn't how strong your arm is or how fast you are to get those other 10 guys in the huddle to go, and this is the guy I'm going to play for. I'm going to lay my life, my life, my body on the line for this guy because he's going to do it for me, so I, I can't let him down. Just like a mid-90s Scott Muchin, right? No doubt about it. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Scott, as always, thanks so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. My pleasure, Mike. Thanks a lot. Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by a BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, 
Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com.